with that, uh, if you guys could stand and we'll go ahead and uh, get into our portion of scripture this morning. I'm, I'm very excited uh, as, you know, top of the new year, um, just a lot to, to, to reflect upon and, and be grateful for. Where's my water? Your water is on the back table, son. <laughs> a, a lot to, uh, you know, to be excited about looking forward into the new year, into what the Lord has planned. Um, obviously, the, uh, you know, Jesus hasn't come back and, um, you know, there's many souls to be one for the kingdom. And we are all here for that purpose as saved Christians to share the love of Christ and to be a witness to those around us. So. Uh, again, just uh, very excited in anticipating the things to come this year and uh, specifically just this morning with the portion of scripture that we're going to get into. Um, so we'll be reading from Acts chapter 10 this morning, verses 9 through 16, as we're continuing this series, just the book of Acts, um, just just learning more about how the early church uh, stayed uh, grounded and how they just you know, spread out into the ends of the earth and what was the, what were the key factors? And really, again, we all know it's just, it's all about Jesus. It's all about staying grounded in Christ. But let's go ahead and, and start reading and, and unpack these great truths that we'll learn this morning. So starting in verse nine, it says, the next day, as they were on their journey and approached the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. Verse 11, and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being led down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14, but Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taking, taken up at once to heaven. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you make common things holy and that no one can call what you call clean unclean. Uh, I think we're all testaments to that. At one point in our lives, we were unclean. We were wretches. And now we are sons and daughters of the living God. So thank you for this portion of scripture. May it just speak to our hearts this morning, help us to understand the nuggets of truth that are buried within this text and help us to apply what we learn to our own lives this morning. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. So uh, this is coming upon the, 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 the tail end of, of us uh, last week getting to know Cornelius a little bit more. Who was Cornelius? He was a, a, a Roman commander. Uh, he was a commander over a centurion, uh, over 100 soldiers. And basically, this was a Gentile, not a Jew, but he was fervently seeking the Lord. And we know that the, the text says from last week that his alms and his prayers were counted uh, to him as a memorial and the Lord was going to reveal himself in greater depth. I've entitled this message, The Common Made Holy. I, I, I entitled it that simply because what the, the text uh, points out, the, the main uh, you know, point, the main point. We know that all scripture points to Jesus Christ. All scripture reveals Jesus Christ in who he is. I truly believe in this text. This text is revealing that Jesus Christ truly makes us holy. We know that Holy means set apart, set apart for the good works of the Lord, set apart in righteousness. And so um, this depiction of what goes on in this account is going to reveal how the Lord was trying to speak to Peter to show Peter that what he has made clean cannot be called unclean. This account, again, is the other side of what we examined last week with Cornelius. This is now the account of what went on with Peter. Uh, we will focus on how the Lord prepared Peter's heart 
before he interacted with Cornelius, because this is coming again, like I said, on the tail end of what went on with Cornelius. But the Lord was working in Peter's heart as well to prepare Peter for this meeting with Cornelius. If this account didn't occur, who knows how this interaction between Cornelius and, and Peter would uh, take place, would have taken place. The main points that I would like to focus on this morning are one, God will confirm his work through more than one person. At least two or three will also receive revelation concerning any given work that the Lord is going to do in our midst. The second point is the Lord can communicate to his people at any time through any means. This means be it the word of God. We all know that is true as every time you read the word of God or study the word of God, you're getting a direct revelation of God. You're getting a direct revelation of his will for your life, but not only through his word, but God can speak through other people. He can speak through visions. He can speak through dreams. Uh, He can even speak through donkeys and animals (laughs) Uh, as as the 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 scriptures uh, profess. The third main point I'd like to to focus on this morning is that no one is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. What God determines clean, man cannot claim as dirty. The God of Israel desires that all men be saved. This is Jew and non-Jew alike. And and that that is such a great, important nugget of truth that that we, we cannot ever lose sight of because there's many times people in our lives where we feel you're beyond. They're beyond. I, I, you know, I've been been witnessing to them for years, and it falls on deaf ears, and they they just don't seem like they're ever going to come to know the Lord, and they just have a hard heart. The reality is, if they're still alive and they're still breathing, their heart's still ticking. There's 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 hope. There's always a glimmer of hope with the Lord. Amen. And with uh, you know the fact that someone is not deceased, there's always an opportunity for them to be saved, as we'll we'll see as we kind of move on. So let's go ahead and begin to unpack these verses, and we'll start with verses nine and ten. I'll read it again, just for uh, context purposes. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. God bless you. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. Right off the bat, when you see this, especially if you've read the prior verses that spoke of Cornelius, here we see a direct connection between Peter and Cornelius. There's a direct connection between these two men. The question that I'd like to pose is, what was the one thing that they were both doing, but in separate locations. There was something specific that Peter was doing, and there was something specific that Cornelius was doing. They were in different locations, but they were both participating in the same activity. Does anybody know what that activity is or was? What was the one thing they were doing? Say it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Very good. They were praying. These men were both praying. It was a serious thing. It was something that they were deeply engaged in. It wasn't something that they were loosely doing, but they were fervently praying. Remember that the Lord directed Cornelius to send messengers to Peter, send messengers out his way so they could uh, let him know what was going on. Cornelius was in Caesarea while Peter was in Joppa. As both men prayed, the Lord spoke to each of them. Since God Almighty is omnipresent, meaning he, his presence, his, his, he can be everywhere at once, This is definitely believable. This is not something that you would be like, I can't see that happening. I can't see that being a reality. An example is, this is typically how God operates. He speaks to several people about a matter, not just one person. Um, It's confirmed through, through two or more. 
and then uh, he establishes what he would like to do. I'm sure many of you have experienced this where, you know, something comes up and you're in prayer about something. You're in prayer about something that's important or touching and dear to your heart. You ask for other people, uh, other believers to also go ahead and pray. And uh, if it is confirmed by the Lord, I believe that other people will say, yes, I have peace about the matter. This seems right. Um, we try our best within leadership here to do that. Uh, you know, we don't want one person. We don't want me having what I think is a vision or what I think the Lord is doing. And I don't run it by Lou. I don't run it by Jeremy. I don't run it by Caesar. Uh, th these are things that th these men need to be in prayer about. And once they have peace about the situation, we move forward. Well, we see this example for us here in Scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse one tells us this specifically. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of a good way to gauge if something is going accordingly to what the Lord wants or if it's kind of heretical or just, you know, some rebel thing. If you just get some one person standing up and saying, oh, uh, this is what I believe the Lord is saying and, and we're supposed to do X, Y and Z and there's no one else that can confirm it. Uh, solid, you know, again, not to be a mindless Christian. We've been given minds for a reason. We've been given discernment for a reason. Uh, you just can't have blind faith in the sense of you just don't use your faculties that God has given you. There, there's got to be a level of you and I using, um, you know, the brain God gave us and we can discern, okay, yes, that's kind of that's kind of spot on. That seems correct. No, there's something sketchy about that. I need to back off. Well, the Bible is clear that through two or three witnesses, things will be established. The application for us this morning is this event again reveals the importance of prayer and the lifestyle of it. The reality is many things may never come to pass in our lives as Christians simply because we don't pray about. We don't pray about it. And I'm not saying something that's outside of God's will for your life specifically, but many times we can say, well, wow, X, Y, and Z has not occurred, has not happened in my life. But have we taken the time to really consider, have we brought these things before the Lord? Have we, have we fervently come before the Lord and prayed about these things? And I'm not talking about this once in a million popcorn prayer and you never bring it up to the Lord again. Right. Um, uh, something that, you know, you're continually seeking the Lord. Even this is where fasting comes into comes into play. Um, you know, fasting is really not taught on much anymore. Uh, it's it's a it's a topic that many don't speak upon, but it's definitely something that can still be uh, done for believers. And, and fasting is a means of coming and getting to know the Lord closer and, and bringing certain excuse me, certain prayer requests to his attention. Not that he doesn't already know, but it's it's a discipline that we do spiritually to get ourselves more in line with him. Next, we will see that the text points out that Peter went up to the rooftop to pray at about the sixth hour. Now, in the Jewish culture back then, the housetop or the rooftop was considered sort of like a patio. This is kind of how, where they had their patios. It wasn't typically something that was on the side of the house or in front of the house, but it was, uh, you know, the rooftop or the housetop. This is where uh, they considered it to be a patio. And it was normal practice for the people of those days to go up to the rooftop to pray. They would typically do this. They, they would be up there. This was a custom that they would do. Also, if you remember King David, King David and when he was kind of, you know, laying back and he should have been out to, to battle, but he was kind of just, you know, hanging out. And that's where he got himself in some trouble. He was on the rooftop. He happened to see Bathsheba bathing, whatnot, and he got caught up. He was on the rooftop. I, I don't know what the significance is. I haven't studied that out of why the rooftops were significant like that. But in any event, it was common for the people in the culture of that time to be on the rooftops. And this is where we find Peter and he was praying. The text goes on to say, describing Peter as he was hungry. He was becoming hungry. As he began to pray, the man was becoming hungry. He wanted something to eat. And as he was desiring food to eat, he fell into a deep trance. 
Now, as I looked at this, I, I was just, my mind was boggled. What do you mean by this, Lord? What is the significance of this man praying and then being hungry and then falling into a trance? Who, who has ever fell into a trance because you were so hungry? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's so funny. I will say I don't, the only person I probably could think that would fall into a trance like that is Nick. Because he loves food so much that he'd probably fall into a trance. In any event, I know. Sorry, I'm trying to be a comedian. I need to stop. <clears throat> but I truly am encouraged by this detail because it reveals Peter's humanity. I say that because his desire, his fervent desire was to pray. He wanted to seek the Lord. But somewhere in the midst of praying, he became hungry. Almost it was a distraction. His flesh kind of kind of took over. The flesh in some ways was waging war against the spirit. How many times have you and I been in that similar situation? You're like, I'm going to blot out this portion of time and I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to pray. And maybe you maybe you get hungry, too. Maybe you're like, oh, man, I haven't eaten since like 11 o'clock. It's like two o'clock. I need to eat. I miss lunch. Or maybe your your cell phone's going off just ridiculously. You're just getting, you know, texts and messages and everybody's trying to get a hold of you. And you're like, man, I'm just trying to get a little solace with the Lord. Or maybe, you know, your children, you just, you know, have kind of calmed them down and they're in a good place where they're kind of taking a nap or so you think. And then you go to go seek the Lord and all of a sudden they're just screaming for frantically and you know somebody fell out of the bed they stubbed their toe and all of a sudden you're in just this whole other situation well this is kind of where we find our buddy peter an example again that those examples i gave you we have all the intentions of either praying or studying the bible but we get in it for a moment and all of a sudden we become distracted this is very encouraging though What's going on with Peter? Because in the next few verses, we will see how the Lord will use even the distractions to speak to us. As this distraction of Peter being hungry, the Lord still spoke through this. Or maybe it wasn't even a distraction at all, but it was what the Lord allowed to happen. But he was going to use this specific situation, this specific hungering desire to speak to Peter about something far deeper than just merely food. But isn't that how the Lord works? He uses our circumstances to speak to us. Think about your lives this week from New Year's Eve to today. Has there been multiple occasions where the Lord has literally used your specific circumstances that you're in present day to speak to you about something he's trying to reveal to you, how he's trying to reveal more of himself to you or a need uh, that he wants to fulfill in your life or, or the way he wants to use you in someone else's life. He will use your circumstances and mine to do this. This reminds me of how his strength is made perfect in our weakness. You know that that verse, right? That speaks about the Lord's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And here we see our brother Peter. He's desiring to pray. He's desiring to seek the Lord, but he's overcome by hunger pains, the natural desire to, to want food, which isn't a bad thing. But even in that, even in his weakness, his lapse of, 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 of being strong in the spirit, it's the Lord's strength that's made perfect in his weakness. I pray that that's not somebody going somewhere where someone's hurt or someone's going to jail. Cause that's one of the two, right? You hear that, you hear that, you hear that. And it's either someone's going to the hospital or someone's going straight to Elmwood, man. Lord be with them both, whatever the situation is. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the, the next portion of scripture. And this is where we're kind of going to camp out for the rest of the morning. Acts chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. And it says, this is a continuation, at least in my version, there wasn't a, there wasn't a, there wasn't a period or a comma. So I'm going to continue. Excuse me if this uh, uh, pronunciation isn't correct or, or the way I'm saying it. Just remember the last verse and, sorry, saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being led down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. 
And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. As Peter was in this trance, he saw all different kinds of animals. As it said, reptiles, four-legged creatures, birds. They were, if you would say for lack of a better term, kosher and non-kosher. How many of you are familiar with the term kosher? What is a kosher animal? What is a non-kosher animal? This is a direct tie to the Jewish culture. If it isn't strange enough, then after seeing this, you know, these, these, this vision of these different animals, then Peter hears a heavenly voice telling him to rise, kill, and eat. Without the proper context, this is just, this is kind of strange. It's like, okay, a sheet came down from heaven. You got all these different animals. They're kosher and non-kosher. And then he, Peter hears a voice telling him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. So the question, what in the world is the significance of this vision? What could this mean? What is the Lord trying to reveal to Peter? And what is he trying to reveal to us today? Well, remember that all the animals that were upon this sheet from heaven, they were not kosher. They were not all kosher animals. An example is cows, sheep, and goats are considered kosher, while any animal that doesn't chew its cud and doesn't have split hooves is not. So animals like rabbits, foxes, kangaroos, those are all non-kosher. And you know Jewish culture. You could only have, I mean, what, what, are, the, what are the hot dogs that they, they, they have? <laughs> Hebrew national. Is it he, Hebrew national? I, wanna say, I always want to say Hebrew nation. But uh, Hebrew national, but they're but they're 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 kosher hot dogs. You can I don't know what I don't know what animal that is. I don't know if it's a vegetable or what, but um, but it's is it's beef. Okay, it's beef. They're blessed by a rabbi. They made sure the cow chews its cud. The it, the cud goes through the three stomachs. I mean that's a cow has three stomachs. If I'm correct, that's that's interesting. That's that's pretty crazy. But anyway, so uh, those hot dogs are kosher. That's just a that's just a modern day example of what's going on here. But because the animals were a mix, remember this sheet had kosher animals and non-kosher animals. Peter's immediate, his natural, his knee-jerk response was, <laughs> "No way, I'm not." touching those things because 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 the 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 non-kosher animals they're on the sheet next to the kosher animals i mean they, they, they just rub god bless you they just rub against or sneeze upon the other animal now you're now you just infected you've just infested all the kosher animals because they're you, you can't you can't mix you can't be together there's this a specific law that states that i will not eat something that's common i won't eat rabbits or foxes or kangaroos who's ever had kangaroo meat didn't jack-in-a-box get in trouble years ago they were serving up kangaroo meat back in the 90s or the 80s oh horse meat the one on blossom hill my mom still lives around in that area i remember hearing stories when i was younger you know uh crazy kangaroo meat rat or horse meat sorry but that's just i don't even i don't know kosher non-kosher i'm not eating that The crazy thing here about this whole thing as we were back in, sorry for that side comment, is that Peter, he kind of had a habit of telling the Lord no. <laughs> you guys laugh because you're familiar with the Bible and you're familiar with the character of Peter. God bless him. Um, but he, he kind of had a habit, right? I mean, remember in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, he, he, he told the Lord that he wouldn't die on the cross, and the Lord had to rebuke him for that. Uh, Peter, he, he, he also told the Lord, no, you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. No. And then he goes on and says, uh, wash my whole body, because if that's the only way I'm going to be clean, you got to wash all of me. You know, he, he was an extremist. Peter, man, he was, he was a nut. Um, you know, he also, 
he he also told the Lord, I'm not going to deny you, Lord. I'm not going to do it. So so we see that there there is a pattern here. And, and this is after, uh, you know, Peter's been deemed, you know, his proclamation of who Christ is. The Lord was going to build his church upon that proclamation, the, the rock of Jesus Christ upon Peter's proclamation. This is after that. And, and, and still our buddy Peter's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat these animals. No way, Lord. I'm not going to rise, kill, and eat. <clears throat> the application for us today is that like Peter, many times we, you and I, tell the Lord no, only to later on miss out on the rich blessings he wants to provide for us or for us to even be the blessing, be the conduit, be the vehicle to be a blessing to those around us simply because you and I say no. We simply say no. Um, I, I, you know, I was walking back from the loop and, and the Lord showed me this uh, and I, I'm be beginning to become more obedient to understand that and, until the Lord takes us to another building, I mean, this is, this is a gold mine right here. Do you, do you realize how many people traffic in and out of that gas station every morning? I mean, there is multiple people. There's at least, you know, 50, maybe 75 people from the time I get here at 830 in the morning until service starts that people are coming in and out of that gas station. And the Lord's like, what are you doing, dude? Why are you not sharing about this church to these people? Why are you going to buy three times the caffeine cold coffee, you know, and little snacks and goodies, and you're not talking to these people. It doesn't make no sense. It's super foolish. It's like burying your talons. We have the truth. There's a dying world, right? But yet I'm not speaking up to these people and saying, hey, there's a church right here. Come check us out. So when I get convicted... <laughs> and get motivated, I opened up my mouth. And, you know, we, me and Jeremy walked over, blah, blah, told the guy. I've seen him here for like six months now working in that in that loop gas station, the cashier. I'm like, hey, man, we got a church over here, bro. And whenever you're off, if you're ever off on a Sunday morning, come check us out. And it, I just share that because it's, it's those little things, right, that we need to capitalize on. As many times as someone's going to say no, maybe no one in that goes to that gas station is ever going to come here. But the fact is, we still are commanded to share the truth and witness to who of who Christ is to these people. And when we see these people and we don't say anything, it's like we're saying, we don't care. I don't care about your salvation. I don't care that I was commanded by the Lord. You, you got to understand, because it's not about you or me, right? It's not about you getting your comfortable seat as nice as they are. They're kind of whatever, but it's not about getting your seat. It's not about getting your donut. It's not about getting your coffee. It's not about seeing this baby. It's truly about having the mindset of, I have the truth that will save a person from eternal damnation. What am I doing with that? And if that's just saying, hey, God bless you. There's a church here. Come to the service on your way in. It is what it is. If, if the Lord leads you to buy the, somebody over there a cup of coffee and witness to them, so be it. But either way, there's just it's, it's a gold mine right there. You know, it's a gold mine. There's so many people and I doubt many of those people are saved. But this is kind of what is going on here with our buddy Peter. Like Peter, again, many times we just say no when we need to say yes. The Lord was going to show Peter how Peter was limiting him. He was limiting the Lord and what the Lord could do through Peter, through this example, through this illustration that he allowed Peter to have this vision of these kosher and non-kosher animals on the sheet. He wanted to show Peter what he could accomplish through his life if Peter would not put God in a box. How many times do you and I put God in a box and we already determined from the jump, Lord, you're only going to do X, Y, and Z. You're only going to do this. You're only going to do that. I mean, um, my mind's being blown away time and time again. Kalos was sick last night. He was like, dude, laid up. I'm like, again, another, another Saturday of this. He's like, my tummy hurts. I'm like, all right, Lord, 
I'm praying over this kid. Lord, I pray you would just deliver him, help him. I don't want to have to go to the hospital. We don't want to have to go through all this. I mean, he was like, he was hurting so bad. I could, he was fighting back tears. You know, you could just tell he's trying to be tough, but he was like ready to cry. His mom was asking me, all right, you're all right. Finally, she tried to get, she gave him some time on what he just puked it all up. Luckily, uh, yeah, he felt better. Luckily he didn't have a fever. So I don't, I don't think we're exposing y'all to like, you know, the flu or anything like that. But, but, you know, that's just a small thing where it's like, I prayed and, and the Lord again came through, delivered. Um, you know, we're in the process of, you know, later this month, we're going to move into our own apartment, our first place on our own. That's another praise to the Lord. But again, I share that because not putting God in a box, believing God will meet your needs, neither poverty nor riches, but meet you where what you need, right? And, and this is what our buddy Peter had to learn here because he. By his statement of no, Lord, these animals are common. I will not get up and kill. He was putting God in a box. But God was about to shake up Peter's thinking. God made it clear to Peter that what he has cleansed must not be called common or impure, unholy or unacceptable. Acts chapter 11, verse 9 will say the same thing. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call it common. I think the best picture of this to, for us to understand is we have to take a look back at the Old Testament. Now, back then, things were either holy or they were common. The holy was made common by coming into contact with what was common, just kind of how I talked about the kosher and non-kosher animals being together. One would, would, would affect the other. The whole, excuse me, that holy thing could only be made holy again by ritual cleansing. This is what was called being consecrated. When something was made common, it was called desecrated. It was desecrated. It, it, it lost its it, it lost its 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 purity, and it became desecrated. That's why lepers they were commonly placed outside, and they were called unclean. If you touched a leper, you were now ceremonially unclean, and you could no longer be in the general population. I mean, that's that's kind of like you know in elementary school, and the kids are playing, and they're like, oh yeah. Jimmy got cooties. Jay, stay away. And then you tell, you know, and then Jimmy runs, ah, boogers all on his nose, and he goes and touches somebody else. And they're like, ah, now, now Sarah's got cooties. They're both ixnade. Get away. You know, that, that's kind of like the idea here. Just a touch made you like, ugh, you're just done. I, I have to have to have to shun you now because you just got you got the you got the sick booger cooties, and I don't want it because I'm in first grade and it's disgusting. But but this was the idea here. You know, you would have to be on the outside. But this is interesting because if you remember the context and where we are in the book of Acts, the Lord had already been working on Peter's heart about this same situation. Who was with Peter last? Or where did Peter stay last, I should say? Who did Peter stay with last? Do you guys remember like a couple verses back? Hey! Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There you go. If I, I don't have a million dollars, but if I had it, you would get it. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he, Simon Peter was with the tanner. And we all know tanners are unclean because what do tanners do for a living? Hides. They work with, they work with dead animals. They, they're touching dead things. And in the Jewish culture, touching anything dead you know, the, the tanner was just as good or just as nasty as the leper. They had to stay, couldn't stay with the general population because their work required them to touch dead animals. So we already see here, if you kind of piece all these things together, the Lord is already working on Peter's heart about this whole thing. Again, what is common? What is unclean? So what does this mean for me and you? What does this mean for me and you? How does this apply to our lives today in present day Milpitas, in the beautiful town that smells great? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? We as Christians can become so consumed with spiritual disciplines that we totally forget 
the bigger picture of what Jesus Christ is trying to accomplish through us. I'm not saying that you should abuse your 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 your, your spiritual disciplines. It's important. You should have a program. You should have something that that you do in regards to your relationship with the Lord that that's kind of that's habitual, not not religious, but something that you do on a daily basis. But do you understand that that Peter was so concerned about not eating anything that was that 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 was common that he was missing sight of the bigger picture. And then that can happen to us too. What I'm trying to say is we can become so wrapped up in our daily devotions, our personal prayer time, our personal study time in the word that often we, we have, we have, we think that we've completed our, our, our spiritual routines. We've, we've done what we had to do for the day. So we check out and we don't think to engage with sinners. I'm, I fall victim to this all the time. And the Lord has to totally correct me. That was the whole point of me sharing this whole thing that the Lord showed me about the loop. And how, why am I, not you guys, I'm saying me personally, why am I not reaching out to these people? Why? Because I think I'm holy and spiritual because I'm the pastor. And what, I can walk by people and be like, bro, you should know there's a church here. You should know you're a sinner. No. Well, Lord's like, dude, get your, get your, get your head out of your butt. And, 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 and speak to these people, you know, like have compassion, understand that, like, they need to know that, like, you have the key to salvation and you should be willing to share it. And, and, and that's the whole thing. Cause I could come here at eight 30 in the morning and be like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to, you know, I got to, I got I to gotta sweep the bathrooms. I got to make a round of this. I got to make sure things are, are together and be like, Oh, well, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I, I, oh, I got, I got, I got to stand up and teach at 10:30. So, you know, it's beneath me to to speak to people. Do Do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Right? We can't be letting ourselves fall into that state where we think, again, I've read my Bible today. I've prayed to the Lord. Well, it's okay. That's good. That's what you should do. But when you see somebody in need, the Bible says clearly it's not good for us to be like. Yeah, brother, love you. God bless you. Have a good day when you have the means to help them out. You know, it's not. And, and we should be those move with such compassion because we're so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit wants to be unleashed onto these people that we're like, man, you know, we're excited. We're pumped. We can't wait to begin to share and begin to love on those and especially begin to love on those that can't pay us back to love on those that are hard, difficult to love. The, the word's clear about it. What good does it do for us to love those that love us back? Even sinners do that, you know? So the next time you and I have a pity party because you're having a hard time with someone you love, understand that that's between you and your wife, that's that's easy. <laughs> Even though, huh, we get into it. That's easy. <laughs> love somebody who's not going to love you back. That's what the word says, right? Because that's what Jesus did. And, and, and who is our commander chief officer? Jesus Christ, is he not? So we should follow after him and do as he does. It's, it's very convicting. It's very convicting for me to have to stand up here and share this because I know how guilty I am of all these things. But nonetheless, it is the truth. You see, Peter wanted so bad, again, to keep his spiritual discipline only to eat kosher food. He almost missed out on the greatest opportunity to share the gospel with Gentiles. That was what was on the line here. And that's why the Lord made it such a point to share this with Peter, because this is something Peter had to get in order to move forward. There are things in your life and my life that we have to get in order to move forward. If you're in a place spiritually where you feel stagnant, it's because there's something that the Lord is trying to get through to you. And only when you're willing to receive it as it is, not how you want it, not dressed up in a pretty bow and packaged nicely. Maybe it's like shoving medicine down a four-year-old's throat, but it's the best thing for you. Only then, and then will you be ready and I be ready to move forward in the things that the Lord has for us. These, 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 these non-kosher and kosher animals were, were you know, essentially Jews and, and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. The reality is we are not to live our lives in a vacuum, in isolation. We are to engage with more than just believers. That's a big kicker too. Because a lot of us, we love the camaraderie. We love the fellowship of one another. 
but we are to engage with a world that does not know Christ, that does not love Christ. I'm not saying become influenced by the world and now you're, uh, you know, you're going to the strip club to, 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 to witness. I'm not talking about going crazy like that. But what I'm saying is we should be involving ourselves with the world. You know what I'm saying? Who else is going to share the love of Christ with these people? If we stay closed in and be like, well, we're just a church. We're just going to love each other. We're just going to be the church like this. It's like that church sucks. Jesus Christ don't like that church in the sense of he's like, come on, y'all read, read Revelation. He talks about all those churches where they, they ain't, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, we have to be on par, discipline, balanced enough, understanding, yes, be involved, be engaged in each other's lives. But there's a whole mission that's supposed to take place. And you and I are those that he has equipped to carry that out. I mean, we should be pumped up about this. This is this should be something that we wake up and we're like, man, Lord, who can I share the gospel with today? You know, that that's a prayer. That's a personal prayer for me because I know where that's where I lack. Lord, who can I share the gospel with today? You know, not so I can have brownie points and be like and pat myself on the back, but because I know that's what the Lord wants for me. You know, if you're someone who can speak well and, and is eloquent with your words and, and you can communicate, you know, why do you think he made you like that? Even if you can't communicate well, but you're a people person, but you have a good, tender heart. Why do you think he made you that way? Right. I think of Caesar. Caesar always says, I can't te- I can't I can't talk. I can't. Die. Dude. But this man has such a servant's heart. You know, and I'm not I'm not boosting him up. I'm, I'm sharing what the Lord shows me about this man's character. He's the kind of man that the Lord wants to use in such a great, mighty way. It's not about how you speak. It's not about how you talk. It's about your conduct. It's about your ability and your willingness to humble yourself and be used by the Lord. You know, the Lord wants men and women like that, you know, and, and there's you guys are all those people in this room. This is a specific message for everyone individually here and collectively. I mean, it may seem elementary, like, stop telling me this. <laughs> stop telling me this. I know that I'm supposed to share the gospel with other people. My question to you is, how many people have you witnessed to this week? Straight up. How many people have you witnessed to this week? If your answer is zero, that's a giant problem. See, because we know what we're supposed to do, but do we do it? Do we actually do it? You see what I'm saying? Because we, I included, get so consumed with our own schedule, our own routine, the things of life, our families, our this, our that, that we forget that, yes, those things are important. But what does the Lord want us to do? How would the Lord have us to go through with these things? Because the reality is, even if you are laid up in a hospital bed, unless you're unconscious and you're hooked to a respirator and machines, you can still share Jesus Christ with others. You can share Christ with the doctors coming in. You could share Christ with the nurses coming in to tend upon you. You can share the Christ with whoever your visitors are. You see what I'm saying? So if someone paralyzed in a hospital bed can share Christ on their dying day, me and you who are mobile and have our faculties working have no excuse not to be sharing the love of Christ. It's just like, where is our perspective, right? What are we looking at? What are we viewing as important? If we viewed it that deeply, we would stop at nothing to share Christ with everyone we come in contact with. I'm not saying I'm not saying stand on a soapbox with the megaphone and saying you're going to go to hell because that's a horrible ministry. I don't think that's from the Lord at all. There's a tact and a way to go about it. And I'm not saying you got to spread it to a million people, but who's in your sphere of influence? Who's in my sphere of influence? Right. It's that. Seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Because these days are evil. <sighs> Laziness, disobedience. Or we flat out think someone else is going to do it. I think those are some of the key factors in, in, in what holds us back from sharing our witness with other people. We just think someone else is going to do it or we're just lazy. We're like, I, I don't want to open my mouth. Like I said, me and going back and forth from the loop. I'm buying I'm buying coffee and whatever energy drinks and all kind of other nonsense, but I'm not opening up my mouth about Christ. 
It's laziness. That's just that's just that's selfishness in the end. Because we're like, oh, I'm good. I'm straight. I've got my ticket to heaven. I know Christ. Well, what about the person who doesn't know Jesus? Is it me or is it hot up here? Is it hot in here? <laughs> An example of this, the Lord revealed to me actually on New Year's New Year's Eve, there was a little um there was a little uh, little little service at Fremont Calvary, and it was super cool. And I, I was talking to um, one of Lou and Michelle's relatives, Joe, and um, you know just the way that he was speaking to me and what the Lord was showing me about him. That man is on fire for the Lord. That man, and you know, some people can say, "Oh, well, you know, you you got the gift of evangelism, so that's why you." Should, but you know, we're all called to share our witness. We're all called to witness uh, about the Lord to other people. But but this man had such a fervency about what he was sharing and how he was like, he was like, man, I was at Home Depot brawls getting a hot dog. I had, I had two Cokes, big gold Cokes. And I wasn't going to drink both of them. And I was just like, Hey bro, you want a Coke? Hey bro, you want a Coke? Everybody kept turning me down. Then finally someone said, Oh, I'll take it. You didn't tamper it. You didn't spit in it. Did you say, nah, man, it's good. It's good. And then he said, I'll, I'll take it from my wife. That's what the other man said. And then and then Joe messed with him. He said, I don't see a ring on your finger, bro. And he was just messing with him. He just joshing him. He said, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. But you know, everything come to, he ended up witnessing to that man. You see what I'm saying? It just took just being normal. He wasn't being weird. He wasn't being eerie. He wasn't being like, bro, I got a five point sermon on how you're going to go to hell or how blah, 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 blah. You know, talking about all this other stuff. It's like, dude, it's not about that. Just be yourself. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Love on people. Share. My whole point of sharing that and, and Joe is what the Lord revealed to me as I listened to this man was the reason why some Christians are successful in their witness while others are not, has everything to do with our willingness. You see, the reality is God will orchestrate situations to occur in your life because he knows that you're going to speak up about his son. While others are not going to experience those opportunities because he knows you're not going to share she knows you're just not going to talk about Christ with people. And so he's like, why am I going to give you the opportunity when you're not going to do it? And, 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 I, and I say that because, and that's not, that's not a all in forever, it's concrete. What I mean by, see, it can sound harsh. What I mean by that is, say you're in a position like me and you're like, Lord, I, I want to be used greater by you. I want, I, want, I want to share the love of Christ with more people. So begin, baby steps, little by little, one person a day. You get what I'm saying? The more you do it, the more you're going to grow momentum and build more me- momentum to where it's starting to become a natural thing, a supernatural thing where you're sharing it more. You're sharing it with your coworkers. You're sharing it with your, your family. And it's not weird and it's not awkward. It's just it's bubbling up out of you because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing with like maybe you're having a, a, a problem getting through the Bible or reading something specific in the Bible. Christy brought up a great thing the other day. She hit me up on Slack and she was like, what do you think about, you know, giving people the opportunity to go through different Bible plans for the year? And I think that's great because maybe you're in a place where you're like, I just don't know where to go through in the Bible right now. Well, we have uh, on Instagram all kind of great resources online to help you to study either through a specific book in the Bible. Maybe you want to go through the the whole book, uh, the, the whole word in a year, whatever it is. But but again, it's all because of this. You start small and you keep going and you just grow momentum and you grow stronger in the Lord. And, and that's that's what the Lord is trying to get at in all of us. And, and, and this example with Peter in everything is that look at what I'm trying to do through you. You need to grow momentum. So I'm showing you don't call things common that are not common. What I have made clean, it is clean. Witness to all people. I share this only because the way we will truly share the gospel with everyone is to see the common man as having the potential of being made holy. If we can see the person next to us, to the right and to the left, as ourselves, as the Bible says, who is your neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. If we are to love one another as ourselves, then we're going to value the time we spend with them. And maybe it's not a lot, but we're going to value them enough to say, you know what? God bless you. Jesus loves you. Get plugged in, whatever it is. But you're going to take the time because 
you know that it's far important. <clears throat> if we reserve the idea of thinking anyone is too far gone for God to reach them and we don't share, we won't pray for others. Lastly, the reason why this event occurred three separate times was that the Lord wanted Peter to truly understand the message that he was sending, that everything and everyone that he has cleansed is clean indeed. As, as Nisa comes up and uh, we begin a time of just, uh, <clears throat> again, song and praise and going before the Lord and even the time of communion, just pray that the Lord would just speak to your heart about this matter of every person deserves the right to hear the gospel, to have it be shared to them so they can be accountable, so they can uh, you know, respond and, 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 and accept the good news that Christ has to offer. I'll leave with this last verse, and it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and it says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Let us remember that when we are rubbing elbows with the world and we are called upon to share what we know about Jesus with others. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for just the opportunity to come to your house, Lord, to, to seek you out, Lord to praise you because you're worthy of praise, to worship you because you're worthy to be worshiped. Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts now as we, we take the time to just hear from you, Lord, again, through through uh, the instruments, Lord, and, and the singing, Lord, that we would just uh, allow you to speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would meet us exactly where we're at and that you would call us to do what you've called us to do, Lord. Help us to not turn our backs on you, Make it plain and make it simple. May your still small voice whisper to our hearts, Lord. Father, as we even uh, engage in communion, Lord, help us to remember the great sacrifice that it cost you and your son, Lord, to allow your son to go to the cross, to die a sinner's death, Lord, to make us right before you, Lord. So now we could have access no more uh, going into the Holy of Holies and no more of uh, having a man intercede for us, but now it is Christ himself, the God-man, who intercedes for us on our behalf and how grateful we are for that. So thank you for your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen.